Welcome to the CGN Mission and Methods Podcast, Season 4. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I will be your host this season. The goal and vision of this podcast is that it would be a forum for communication about Calvary Global Network. We want to share with you some of the stories about what God is doing. We want to talk about some of the initiatives we're involved in spearheading, and we want to answer the questions you might have about who we are as a network. On the episodes in this season, I'm joined by Pastor Brian Broderson, the founder and president of CGN and the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, California. For season four of the podcast, Brian and I will be interviewing the members of the CGN executive team so you can get to know their stories, hear about their ministries and the roles they play in CGN, and find out what they're excited about for the future. In this episode, Pastor Brian and I will be speaking with Tommy Coda. Tommy is the pastor of Hope Alive Church in Santa Ana, California, and Tommy will be sharing about some of his background growing up in Los Angeles and being involved with drugs and gangs and how that shapes his ministry in Santa Ana today. He will also be sharing about some doors that God has opened for ministry in public schools. Here's the episode. Welcome to the CGM Mission and Methods podcast. My name is Nick Cady. I'm joined by Pastor Brian Broderson, the president of Calvary Global Network. And today we're joined by Tommy Coda. Tommy is part of our executive team. And this season on the Mission and Methods podcast, we're introducing you to the members of our executive team. We want you to get a feel for who these men are that are leading this movement into the next generation. And we want you to hear their hearts and the things that they're passionate about and get to know their story a little bit. So, hey, Tommy. Good to have you. What's up, Nick? Good to be here, man. Thanks. Well, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you serve, what's the journey been like on the way to that place where you're at now? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Tommy, so I've already been introduced. That's cool. And I get to serve as a senior pastor of Hope Life Church in the city of Santa Ana. And in February of 2023, we will be celebrating nine years of a church plant. And I cannot believe how fast it's gone. It just went really, really fast. And, you know, that's, that's kind of been the journey. But, you know, prior to that, I was serving as a pastor at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa for many years and just getting to grow as a, as a servant, as a, as a pastor and a minister, you know, it was very rich, rich years for me. And, and so I'm really excited to see what the Lord's doing here at, at the Hope of Life Church. Yeah. Awesome. How far away is your church from Costa Mesa? So we just got a new building because we were a, a portable church, you know, set up and tear down and everything. So we just got a building about seven months ago and the building is about two and a half miles tops mm-hmm. from Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. So yeah, not far at all. Wow. Yeah. But, but in, um, in some ways, in kind of a different world, though, isn't it? I mean, it is that short distance. Yeah, it's and everything changes. Yeah, considerably. Yeah, it, it is kind of crazy the way that you know this the how Santa Ana is. Well, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa is like on the borderline of Santa Ana and Costa Mesa, and so we're about two miles north. And yeah, literally, like once you pass the railroad tracks, that's a literal thing here. <laughs> you enter into like a, a new world. You know, there's. Um, there's a lot of, there's gangs, a lot of homeless. Well, there's homeless everywhere in Southern California, but a lot of gangs, a lot of drugs. And the, the demographics is a lot of, it's a large immigrant community as well. A very large Hispanic, Spanish speaking only community. 
you know, and uh, when we started the church, we actually, it, it was interesting because a lot of people thought that, hey, Tommy, you're going to start a plant, a, a Spanish speaking church. And everyone just thought I spoke Spanish fluently and I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can order my, I tell people, man, I can order my food and ask for simple directions, but that's about it, you know? But uh, we started, and, and that was intentional too, because prior to that, I was, as a pastor at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, I was kind of really, in a sense, like an outreach pastor. You know, I was, the, the, the focus of our ministry was really taking like church and Jesus out into the community of Santa Ana, and especially with schools. And, but through Throughout all those years, just connecting with a lot of young people and preaching the gospel, a lot of young people just connecting with, with the Lord and, and with me. And, and other things that I, I noticed with a lot of the young kids is that they were asking, uh, yeah, I would ask them, hey, do you go to church? And they would say, yeah. And, and they would always refer to it as, I go to my mom's church or my grandma's church, you know, it's Spanish. I kind of, you know, I like it, but that's their church. And they never really identified with like their own church. And so just after some prayers, like, you know, we're going to plant a, a church. It'll be English. But, you know, the, the kind of purpose too, the mindset for me behind that was, you know, I wanted to really connect with a lot of these young people and, and you know, create an environment where they could say, hey, this is my church. You know, I have, you know, they can really identify as their own church, you know, their, their fellowship and stuff like that. So that's what we've done. And it's grown, you know, and it's been a, it's been a blessing. You know, just to see what the Lord's been doing all throughout all these years, all the ups and downs of church planting. I'm always struck by the fact that Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa sent out a church planter to plant some somewhere that's really close. I mean, the, within your range of like people would drive from that area to come to your church. I think it says a lot, honestly, yeah. that about, you know, a sense of like, I don't know, insecurity or like being willing to say to somebody, hey, we want you to go plant a church right here. And uh, I think that's really cool because yeah. I, I know a lot of people would be like, hey, we'd love for you to plant a church. There's a great spot in Virginia. You're really going to like it. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, and for that was a blessing. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget the day, too, because, you know, Pastor Brian's been my pastor and just, you know, in great encouragement to me always. And I, I remember like there was a that during that time. There was something was going on and, and I had shared with Pastor Brian, like, oh man, pray because I got this meeting, you know, with, I don't know, maybe school district people or something like that. And so, uh, you know, I went to the meeting and, and, you know, good news, you know, came out of it. And I just, I was excited to share with Pastor Brian and say, hey, this was going on. And I remember I walked into his office and he was just like, man, you know, listening. And we we're both excited what the Lord was doing. And, and he's like, you know, you should just plant a church in Santa Ana. And I was like, yeah, I know. Oh yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, I just planted a church and, and I walked out of his office probably about five minutes later and I was in the middle of the parking lot and I was like, wait, what does that mean? Like, I have never done this before. So I, I turned back around and went back into his office. I closed the door and I sat and I was like, hey, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, and, and I was at that point, Pastor Brian kind of just shared his heart. Like, you know, hey, yeah, just planted, find, find a place and see what the Lord does, you know, and, and that's kind of what we did. Yeah, it's so cool. And, you know, Santa Ana, so Santa Ana is the, it's kind of the, the governmental hub of Orange County, you know, mm -hmm. it's kind of the center, the seat, civic yeah. center, yeah, of, of Orange County. And it is largely Latino, not all Spanish speaking, but, you know, Mexican-American or, or second generation Central Americans, or in some cases, South Americans who have come. And um, I, I think it's been a few years now, but the statistic was that, that Santa Ana was the largest Spanish-speaking population in the U.S. 
I know at one point it was. Yeah. And I know I, I know at one point it was the like per capita, it was the largest condensed. There was a portion of Santa Ana. I forgot exactly where it was, but it was like a a, a, a square mile was the largest condensed population, yeah. you know, in, in, in the nation, mm-hmm. you know, per capita. And yeah. Stuff. yeah. Yeah. So with all of that, I mean, to me, it was kind of like it, we're, we're into missions, right? It's yeah. like, well, gosh, we, a mile down the street, we got a, a major mission field yeah. and that was, and the Lord was using Tommy in that community already. You know, yeah. he had had tremendous favor in the school district and we talk about that in a minute, you know, going into the schools, the public schools and doing ministry and favor with the, you know, people in the city council, the, the Santa Ana PD. I mean, it's just like, you know, Tommy's just one of the, one of the good old boys. Yeah. It's, the, it, man, it's crazy. Leaders in the community. Yeah. So, you know, and that's, that's only increased as time has gone on, but you could, I could just sense like, you know, God's hand is on, on Tommy and this community. And, you know, he'd been here a long time and just such an asset to everything we were doing. But I thought, you know, we, we'll, we'll send him out. So That's we cool. did. Yeah, yeah, send out your best. That's really cool. Tommy, did you grow up in Santa Ana or did you, where did you grow up? No, I grew up in L.A. County. I grew up in a city called Artesia, mm-hmm. um, you know, and there, you know, just growing up there, I, you know, didn't have any kind of Christian background or anything like that, you know. So, and but the one thing that, I'll never forget when I when I first came and I started serving as a volunteer at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. Um, I actually came to the church because, well, you know, just wanted to hear Pastor Chuck speak and preach and discovering that there was a Bible college. I didn't know what that was. I was, you know, I was still on parole, fresh out of prison, you know, at that time. And there was an announcement to for volunteers to go into Santa Ana. And because I was a part of the Bible college, I needed some volunteer hours. I mm-hmm. said, okay, I guess I'll go. And I didn't know, like, I, you know, when I was in prison, I was in prison with some guys from Santa Ana, but I didn't know, like, what the city looked like. And once we went out into the community and I was like, I looked around, I was like, man, this is kind of like how I grew up, like Mm. the apartments and just kind of what it looked like and what it felt like, you know? And so I just easily gravitated towards it. And I just fell in love, you know, with all the youngsters and seeing their faces and wanting to just be a part of a little Bible club, you know? And I was like, I can do this. This is fun. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what, you know, my heart just began to grow, you know, from that point forward. But yeah, now it's, it's really cool because a lot of people from Santa Ana born and raised here and city officials and everything, they've put their arm around me and say, Hey, you've been grafted in. You're, you're a a bona fide Santanero, they say, you know, so, all right, (laughs) it's all good. That's cool. (laughs) So I know that you do a lot of work with an outreach to kids, even going into public schools. So could you tell us about that? Yeah. Yeah. Still do that. We... So, yeah, it just kind of happened, you know, that's kind of how the Lord does things, right? It just kind of happens. And we started just serving, going into public schools. There was a, a program called Release Time Christian Education, um, which is a, a national kind of a program. And Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa had started that up again. And that's when I first started coming to church here. And I started volunteering with that. And that just kind of grew into uh, not just going into the elementary school age and with release time, but then starting to connect with these kids at their junior high school level. So kind of following where they went, what schools they would go to, and then that would go into the high schools. And so now I'm predominantly mostly now just in the high schools, but we still have some, I still have some great relationships with, you know, other Christians and ministries and programs that are involved in the 
in the schools, but that's how that started. And, you know, there's such a need in the high school system here. And, and, you know, I speak specifically of Santa Ana, but I know it's everywhere. You know, kids are just really going through some just challenging times, you know, and, and a lot of people are trying to put their finger on it, especially after COVID, you know, a lot of emotional instability, a lot of drug use, a lot of gang violence, you know, especially that's, those, those, these are some things that's really been going on here in, in Santa Ana, you know, and just to connect with a lot of these young kids. And I, I, I really do have great opportunities to connect with kids that, that have a gang background or they're in gangs currently, you know, because I can identify with them. And, you know, once they realize some of my past and background, you know, kind of breaks the ice for them, you know, and so they want to talk more and, and engage more and, and ask me questions like, you know, we, we have a little question and answer box and some of these students, man, there's, they're, they're active gang members, like 14 and 15 year olds carrying guns and killing each other, asking questions like, how, how do I get out of this? How do I stop? How did you stop? You know? And so to answer those questions and to put my arm around some of these youngsters, you know, and encourage them and, and give them my number, you know, so they, they can call me whenever. It's just been a, it's been a blessing, you mm-hmm. know, and we're continuing to do that, you know, here at some of the local schools, especially with some of the schools that have a large gang presence and, and drug, drug issues and stuff. You know, speaking about like gang violence and, and that kind of thing, can you tell us a little bit about your background with that and also how that works out in your community? in that you're pastoring in? Yeah. So yeah, just growing up in my neighborhood in the city of Artesia, you know, it's, there's gangs there. And, and so growing up in that neighborhood, there's always, you know, it's just always feeling like, oh man, this is cool. You know, like wanting to hang out in the streets and, and do our thing, you know, and which, which I did. And, you know, uh, the drug addiction is a part of that, you know, drug, drugs and alcohol. And so at a very young age, man, I was, I was a dope fiend. I was, you know, addicted to drugs at 16 years old, dropped out of school and, and shortly after that, you know, I started going to in and out of jail. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where a lot of people think that, oh, man, your life, you know, this jail will shock him to change his life. Well, for me, it kind of just made my my life kind of worse, you know. And so I really gravitated towards that. I kind of like idolized and looked up to this kind of, um, you know, this kind of life, you know, and life of crime or whatever. And so my life just got worse and worse in, in, in gangs and, and stuff like that, you know, just putting myself in some positions that were not healthy, not good, you know, some people that I was hanging out with and just doing things with were being murdered around me and, and or going to prison for murder, you know, and having relationships with these guys that were, you know, that was going on, you know, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't change me, you know, I, I don't know what was going on. Again, it was, I think a lot of the drugs kind of just clouded my thought process. And what I was, it was when I was in prison is when my, my wife, she's the one who got saved first and she just started saying she was praying for me and and everything. And so, um, that's kind of like what was going on there. And so this prison life and, you know, life on the street and gangs and homies and all this and that, you know, and I have a lot of pictures that I'll show these youngsters from that time of my life, you know, now, and because you know, I, I know I'm a lot older than them now, so they say, oh, you don't know what we're going through or nothing sure. like that, you know. And so I'll kind of just break it down to them and show them some of these pictures. And, and for them, it's, some, it's a sort of validation for them. Like it validates, like, oh, this is a big homie. You know, this is, he does know what's going on, so I can talk to him. I can get at him 
and, and which they'll, they'll do, you know, and we'll talk. And so I think that's what really what breaks the ice. And, and one of the things that I've noticed too, when we get these youngsters, man, and we, we like, we'll take them up to the mountains, we'll just get a group or we'll just go to the beach or something. They get them out of their environment. We see like, man, they're these guards, they just come down and they begin to just be kids, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it's just taking them out of that environment. And one of the things that compels me to really want to do this because a lot of people say hey Tommy you know you, you can do a lot of other things or you know but I just love doing this you know I always say you know like when I was young like what would have what would have happened if someone you know that understood what I was going through that maybe you know just looked like me and, and been through some things that I'm going through right now but showed interest in me like what would have my life been like like mm -hmm. what kind of changes might have happened I don't know you know, it never happened. You know, that compels me to say, you know, I can be that guy. Mm. You know, I can be that guy to step into, you know, these these youngsters mess right now to step into their life and, and encourage them and be that voice and let them know that, hey, I'm going to call you. And, you know, they call me. And, and so and, and there's been fruit from that, you know, just to see some of these youngsters, you know, some of these youngsters, man you know, very young age or going in and out of prison for what we call hot ones, you know, like just for like a gun violence or murder or attempted murder or something like that. And, you know, when we go, go back into the jails and our team, you know, they'll, they'll see someone, you know, or I'll see them and they're like, Hey man, what's up? You're here. And it's like, yeah, man. And they, they'll introduce me. Hey, this is my pastor. You know, they're in jail, but there's that seed that's been planted, mm -hmm. you know, and some of these guys have come out of jail and, have even, you know, started coming to church now and they're bringing their families, you know? So a lot of these kids, you know, I'll, I'll see them. I was like, man, I remember them when they were 14, but now they're like 25 or 26, mm. you know, and, and see them at church is, is such a blessing. That's cool. You know, it's something that I think is just worth talking about for a minute is, you know, when you, when you think about church planting, you know, how many people are thinking about the, the, the tough places, you know, the harder places. It's not, you know, the, I, th I think maybe, maybe not as much now, but a while back, you know, when, when church planning was sort of a, a thing that everybody was all talking about all the time and writing articles about and posting pictures about, it was usually in a, in a super cool context, you know, with the cool coffee shops and, yeah. you know, we're doing all the great hipster stuff, you know. Yeah. In in the cool cities, yeah. you know, that was part of it. Uh, but, you know, what about the kind of the the dark places of mm -hmm. the earth, you know, going in? And that, you know, I mean, that's really what you did. Mm -hmm. You know, you could have gone, you could have gone anywhere. And there's plenty of places. And, and I'm not putting down, you know, planting churches. <laughs> we have plant churches everywhere. Yeah. But I think sometimes... The, that kind of environment that you're describing there, a lot of people would just say, well, I, oh, no, we don't want to go there. I mean, they, you know, that yeah. that just sounds too risky. It sounds kind of dangerous or those aren't the kind of people we want to connect with. So I read this quote this morning from New Leslie Newbegin, and, you know, Newbegin always has like these just sort of little more than one liners, but it it kind of speaks to what we're talking about. So he asked this question, he says, how is it possible that the gospel should be credible that people should come to believe that the power which has the last word in human affairs is represented by a man hanging on a cross. I'm suggesting that the only answer, the only hermeneutic of the gospel is a congregation of men and women who believe it and live by it. Mm. 
And I think, you know, I mean, that's been, you know, my passion from day one when it comes to church planting. You need a congregation. You need a community of people in a community that are living it out. And that's how it spreads. That's it. You and know, that's what's happening with you guys. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's really our, our mission statement, too, is making much of Jesus. You know, we're going to keep it simple. Let's make much of Jesus like him crucified and risen again from the dead for our sin. And we just, we're all about that, you know, and that's a great quote. I love that. Isn't that great? Yeah. yeah. Really good. Yeah. And you, and your lives are telling the story. You know, yeah. it's, it's just like, how do, how do you, how, how could we know that Jesus is real? Well, Hey, specimen number one right here. You know? you know, it's funny. The other the other day, you know, for the new year and everything, all three of us pastors, George and Gabriel, you know, they, they pastor alongside with me. And we all come from this background of gangs, drugs, addiction, and prison life. You know, I think collected all together is like over 40 years of prison or something like that, right? <laughs> and we're standing before the church, you know, and, and our, our church family, and it's, it's just so great to see like the, the, you know, how many people are there. And it's like, man, it's like we we constantly it's, we say it jokingly, but it's like, man, you guys are letting us pass like lead this church, you know. And but it's it's a testament of God and the Holy Spirit and transformation, you know. And that's I think that's that message of hope, mm-hmm. you know, that a lot of people just you know we we want to we want to just that's what we want to preach. That's what we want to share, you know, with people. And because one of the things why we called you know Hope Alive Church. That the name Hope Alive, a lot of people ask me, how'd you come up with that name? And I was like, you know, for a lot of years of my life, in and out of prison and, and you know, prison gangs and all that stuff that I was kind of like, you know, gravitating towards, it was because there was no hope. Like I had, I was a hopeless person, you know, and hope was dead. Like, no, you know, ain't no hope for me. This is it, you know, until Jesus, until Jesus came into the picture, wow. you know, and hope was alive, you know, in, in my heart. And so that's one of the things that, you know, why we call Hope Alive Church, but also what we want to just continue to to proclaim, you know, in the city of Santa Ana, you know, because obviously I'm, I'm just really involved with the city. So I'm kind of biased, like, hey, this is what, it's all about Santa Ana right now, you know, and but there's a, so much pain and so much hurt all over the world. But for us, having the relationships that we have, you know, like what Pastor Brian was sharing, you know, not just with the city council, but with the Santa Ana PD and the school districts, you know, it, it is, it's pretty cool just to have these relationships. And then from time to time, you know, get a phone call from, you know, the, the superintendent of schools. And, hey, can you, can we talk? You know, there's some things that I think you can help with or Santa Ana PD, you know, the chief of police or, you know, some administrator will call, hey, can we talk? There's some things that we think you can help with, you know, and same thing with the city council. And it's just, you know, now it's like, okay, it's cool. But when it first started going on happening, you know, I was like so nervous, like, oh man, like this is a setup, you know, <laughs> I'll never forget, man. This one time, Pastor Brian, you, you might remember this. I had been invited to speak to a panel of judges and probation officers mm. for, for young people in regards to gangs and drugs. And, you know, they wanted to hear what, wanted to hear Mike like, from me. And I was like, man, I was so nervous. Mm. And I was like this every very first opportunity something like this and i remember i shared with pastor brian and i was like man this is, oh, can you go can you do it for me yeah. <laughs> i don't know if you remember <laughs> i shared, i asked him he's like man you just go they want you to hear from you i was like oh man this is a mess this is gonna be horrible i don't know what i'm gonna say i don't know how am i gonna sound you know but it was just again it just resulted in and just 
you know, growing relationships and how the Lord, you know, orchestrates all of this, you know, as I look back, like, man, that was the Lord orchestrating that, you know, I may have not felt ready, but the Lord just yeah. put me out there. Yeah. I, I love all of that. And one thing I want to just kind of finish this section with is Tommy, you know, some years ago, Tommy was exonerated and his record wasn't expunged. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, the governor pardoned. Yeah. Yeah. It was completely and, dismissed. Yeah. And, and, just the part about when you're like, okay, well, wait, what, what does this mean? And the, yeah. the explanation. Yeah, yeah. And so it was just like talking with a lawyer, you know, and I was like, hey, what, what is this? I go, so what does this mean? You know? And she's like, well, it means like it's never even happened. And I was like, oh. I go, well, that already happened with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds a lot like the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so it was just, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy thing. <laughs> I remember you know? when you were like, well, like, what if I'm filling out some yeah. Paperwork and it asks, have you ever been arrested? But what do I say? And they're like, say no. Say no. Yeah. Oh. Like, He's just like, say no. Yeah. But I was thinking, what a what a great illustration of what Jesus does for us. Totally. Yeah. You know, he he expunges our yeah. sins. And and how that came about too was that I was actually writing recommendation letters for just probably I wrote maybe 20 of them for men that were going through this program. And, you know, I had relationships with them. And, and so they, yeah, I'll write you a letter. I'll write you a letter. And the lawyer, actually, I just, I went to this, to this place, this program, and I met the lawyer that was helping all these men and women to get their records expunged or dismissed, whatever. And someone had told her my story. And she was like, you're the one writing all these letters for these guys. Why aren't you doing it? I'm like, oh, I don't know. Kind of just... You know, and she's like, let's do this. We'll do it for free for you. Mm -hmm. And so they, they, her, her and the team just worked on my stuff, my paperwork. And within about six months, yeah, yeah. my whole, my criminal career has been dismissed. Like it never even happened. Yeah. Wow. And that was nervous too. Like, well, man, if I write it down, she's like, that's what we're going through all this process for. So that you can actually not check that box, yeah. you know? And the cool thing I can say from my, you know, knowing Tommy so well and is that if you just met him and just had a conversation with him about the weather and, you know, just what you would never, ever guess that what his former life was. Sure. And that's, I mean, that happens all the time, right? When you're talking yeah. to people and Jesus has, has impacted them. But Nick, I was thinking, and, and Tommy, I was thinking too about, you know, talking a lot about the church and that's great because we want to encourage, you know, church leaders and, yeah. and planters and we want to recognize that. The sky's the limit. The whole world is open. Let's see where the Lord will lead us. But you're not only pastoring that church and doing the things you're doing in that community, but you are on part of the executive team of, of CGN. Yeah. And so maybe just talk a little bit about like, you know, why you agreed to be part of the team, what you feel is important about what we're doing as a network. You know, maybe that would be some encouragement yeah. to, to people listening. Yeah. You know, my, my thought process, you know, when just being asked, first of all, it's just, you know, I, I, I think what I was compelled to be a part of the team is just, I, I love the vision of the team, you know, the vision of CGN, you know, especially, you know, the planting churches and, and the pastoral care, you know, and to be a part of that. And, and so that's one of the things that really compels me, not just to be a part of it, but then now having an opportunity also to have a voice you know, and, and to share and to be a part of some decision-making in that, you know, that's been, you know, you know, it's a blessing, you know? And so those are one of the things I, I think for me in a very simple answer is just, man, I just love the vision, 
Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm all about it. You know, and one of the things that for me, you know, just being a, when I got saved, you know, when I first got saved, I didn't get saved at Calvary Chapel. I got saved at a very small church. Man, I just fell in love with Christ, right? Fell in love with Jesus. And immediately we started just working with a lot of other churches in this little small community with the small church. And so when I started coming to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, probably about, you know, maybe a year and a half after that, there was, I wasn't really connecting as much with other churches or anything, you know, and just going out and evangelizing or whatever until we started going out, you know, taking, just going out in the community with the ministry that I was involved with. So I think, you know, just that's part of it too. It was just like, I felt like comfortable, like, man, you know, not just, you know, being so like, you know, closed in, but like, hey, there's opportunity to do more. And it's like, man, what can we do? What more can we do? Let's, let's, let's check it out. Let's venture and let's just see. And I think the heart of CGN, you know, is about that. There's more that can be done, you know, for, for the kingdom of God, you know, to proclaim the name of Jesus and to share the gospel and what can, what more is out there that we can do and who can we partner with, you know, at times to do those things. And so those are the things that for me, it's exciting to, to, you know, to talk about, you know, and to be about. Yeah. One of the things we've always said is that, you know, the heart behind CGN is that we can do more together yeah. than we can just individually as islands. And I think that's really, really important. So I would just encourage anybody out there listening, like if, if anything about Tommy's story resonates with you or, you know, you're ministering a similar context, reach out to us at CGN and, you know, that's part of it. We'll help you get connected with people who can help you, help you to grow wherever, really wherever you're at to take your next step, whether that's with training resources or maybe it's relationships and connections, maybe it's encouragement, those kinds of things. Maybe, maybe you just want to be a part of church planting. You want to be trained up and, and prepared and supported in that. That's what we exist to do. So Tommy, what are you excited about for the future with your church and with CGN? Well, with our church, I can say this is that we, in a couple of weeks, we're starting a Spanish speaking Bible study. So we're excited about that, you know, and being, you know, just being intentional on, on what that's going to look like and, you know, and everything. So we're really excited about that. And I, I think with CGN, man, I'm just really excited with CGN um, and the, this whole, with church planting and cultivate and the vision of planting a thousand churches, mm-hmm. you know, and to partner with that and to be a part of that. You know, it's like, man, that's kind of like where our heart is making much of Jesus, man, all over the world, you know, and to plant churches. And so connecting with young guys, you know, just been connecting here the past few weeks with with some young guys that have interest in church planting. And so, man, just, you know, embracing them and encouraging them and hearing them and, you know, just seeing like, hey, in the next couple of years where this guy might be, you know, planting a church, if not sooner, you know, so those are some things that's really exciting, especially with CGN is, is that the, the church planning aspect of it. And also with CGN, the pastoral care aspect as well. I think, you know, just getting that going and, you know, um, conversations about, you know, Hey, how, you know, rest is, rest is good for pastors. And, you know, those, there's been a lot of talk about burnout and all that other stuff. And so to kind of address those things, you know, and create opportunities, you know, to where men can actually find the rest and, and be cared for, you know, so that they can actually do what God's called them to do effectively. You know, those, those are some exciting things that I, I'm really looking forward to. Cool. Yeah. And I know you're a coach with the Cultivate program. Yeah. And so 
maybe there's somebody out there in a similar context. You know, that's kind of the goal with this, having various coaches with different backgrounds is yeah. say, you know, hey, I'm planting a church in this kind of context. I need somebody who understands that, who will be able to help me, you know, coach me along, who's a couple steps ahead and who's been there. And we have other coaches, you know, who are in other contexts, you know, whether those are in different places geographically or even subcultures within the U.S. And so, we, yeah, if you're interested in church planting, definitely connect with us at CGN about that as well. Thanks so much for your time today, Tommy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the CGN Mission and Methods podcast. In our next episode, Pastor Brian and I will be speaking with Bill Buffington, Bill Pastors Calvary Chapel in Inglewood, California in Los Angeles County. Bill will be talking about his history and ministry, both in a suburban context and now in an inner city context, which is rapidly changing due to gentrification. Also, Bill will be talking about being the parent of a child with disabilities.